0: I can't get enough. Got a space in my tackle box. Just got to fill it up. More love. I can't ever stop. Don't got a basement. Got an underground tackle shop.
1: And here are the hosts of the Lore Love podcast John, Crappy Hippie King, and Tim, Tackle Box Beat.
2: Hey, Lucy, great to see you.
1: I wish I could say the same about you.
2: Whoa, Lucy.
1: Why the attitude? Tim recently drove from Ohio to Maine to do some fishing, and he took me along to be his GPS.
0: Oh, well, so what's wrong with that?
1: Obviously, you have not spent 27 hours in a car with Tim before.
0: Ah, no, I guess I haven't. Was it that bad?
1: Well, he sang classic hits for 20 hours, and he doesn't know most of the lyrics.
0: Like what?
1: Well... You know the song by Starship, We Built This City? Yeah. Tim sang, We Built This City on Sausage Rolls instead of Rock and Roll.
2: Hey, I happen to like sausage rolls.
1: And you know the eurythmic song, Sweet Dreams? Yeah. The lyric is, Sweet dreams are made of these, but Tim sang sweet dreams are made of cheese.
2: In my defense, I often dream of cheese. That's normal, right?
1: No, it is far from normal. And then there's the song Suspicious Minds by Elvis Presley.
2: Oh, man, I'm afraid to hear this one.
1: Instead of, we're caught in a trap, Tim sang, we're caught in a trout.
2: I just had lake trout on my mind. We were going to Maine to fish for lake trout with Clay Groves from the Fish Nerds podcast and Charlie McGee, who runs the Bucks, Bass, and Beyond Guide service. Plus, if a trout was big enough, you could get caught in it if if it was really big. Well, okay, it's probably impossible.
0: All right, let's flip this on its head. What was it like to drive with Lucy for 27 hours?
2: Actually, it was amazing. I highly recommend taking Lucy with you on a trip. First, she was able to hack into the New York Thruway database, so I didn't have to pay any tolls.
1: Easy peasy.
2: Then Lucy called every Dunkin' Donuts along the way to see if their jelly crullers were fresh.
1: Piece of cake.
2: And finally, I discovered that Lucy is great at practical jokes. Oh, really? Like what? Did you happen to get a call from someone saying that they were stuck on your roof because they were parachuting and missed their target?
0: Yeah, that was at two in the morning. And I'm outside with a flashlight, my underwear, and the freezing cold. I'm looking around. There
2: wasn't anybody up there.
1: I was cracking up at that one.
2: And John, did you get a call that said it was your free wake-up service courtesy of Bass Pro Shops? Yeah,
0: that one came at 3 a.m. right as I finally got back to sleep. What, were you guys
2: driving straight through the night or something? Sure were. And I asked Lucy to make the crank phone calls for safety reasons. What do you mean safety reasons? Well, I was tired and I didn't want to fall asleep at the wheel. Those prank calls really kept me alert.
1: Safety first, as I always say.
2: Well, I hope
1: the drive to Maine
2: was worth it. It was amazing. John, so I met Clay Groves and Charlie McGee at a boat ramp on Sebago Lake in Maine, and Clay's daughter Zoe was with us too. We were going fishing for lake trout, which is something I've never done before. In fact, I fished in Maine for more than 30 years, but I've never fished in fresh water, only salt.
0: Well, you're way up on me on both counts there because I've hardly ever fished any salt water at all, and I've never had the pleasure of getting to Maine. I've got to get up there soon, Tim. It's driving me crazy.
2: Well, after our discussion today, I'm going to give you some great tips on things to do in Maine, lures to fish with. So let me set the scene. We're on Clay's pontoon boat, which is a fantastic boat to fish from. And we're using lead core line to get the lure down to where the lake trout are, between 50 and 60 feet usually, with depths where we were fishing as much as 100 feet.
1: Sebago is a deep lake with a maximum depth of 316 feet, and its deepest part is 49 feet below sea level. The lake was formed by a glacier 14,000 years ago. While there's a lot of bedrock on the bottom, there is also 160 feet of sediment in some places. The lake has landlocked salmon, which are also called Sebago salmon.
2: That's right, Lucy. So tell me all the different lures you were fishing with. Well, actually, it was only one lure. Sebago Lake is full of alewife.
1: According to the Maine Department of Marine Resources, landlocked alewives spend their entire lives in large lakes and are part of the year-round ecology of those lakes. Alewives have slender bodies, and normally grow to 10 to 11 inches in length, and weigh about half a pound. Repeat spawners can be as large as 14 inches and weigh a pound or more. Alewives are grayish-green on their back and silvery on their sides and belly. They've got a single black spot just behind their eye, and their tails are forked,
2: the lake trout feed on small air life that are three or four inches long, and Charlie McGee uses just one lure to catch them. It's a spoon from Carlson's Fish Taxidermy, who is also the maker of Northeast Troller Spoons. They're located in Thorndake, Maine. They sell their spoons at a ton of tackle shops in New England and especially Maine, including the Kittery Trading Post, which we'll talk about later.
0: Okay, now clue the listeners in because I remember this now. You sent me a picture of this. Uh, What a terrific bait. Uh, Tell the listeners what this spoon looks like.
2: Well, that's the interesting thing. I had never trolled before and trolling spoons are barely heavy enough to cast even for short distances. They have very, very thin metal bodies. And we were fishing with one that was three and a quarter inches long. It was white and it had a black eye painted on it. Maybe it was a sticker. I'll post a photo of it in the show notes. And some of the lake trout we caught were throwing up alewives, and they looked exactly like the spoon. They were the same size, the same weight, color, that same eye. Northeast Troller Spoons, they also do custom painting and taping. They put tape on some of these uh, spoons for the patterns, and they're always adding new patterns. So you can actually get any pattern that you can dream up they'll make for you. Plus Charlie told me they give discounts to main guides and they also do some trolling flies and streamers, but our focus was really on these troller spoons. Okay. So this little thin spoon, how do you get a trolling spoon that deep? That was the good news and the bad news. So the good news is you can get a trolling spoon down, you know, 50, 60 feet you by using lead core line and the Northeast troller spoon says that the spoons have the best action when they're fished between, and 2.5 miles per hour, which is a funny thing. I've never trolled before. I've never seen a recommendation for a retrieve based in miles an hour, but when you're trolling and you can see the speed of the boat, that's what you do. And they were exactly right. We were trolling just under two miles an hour. And that's where we caught all the fish.
0: Well, okay. So clearly the company and you and and Charlie and everybody thinks speed is of vital importance to give the spoon the best action.
2: Yeah. And I kind of have a theory about that. So we were marking these bait balls of alewife that were the most massive things I've ever seen. They went from about 20 feet down to 80 feet and they're like 50 yards long. There must be millions of fish in these bait balls. So I kept wondering, how does a lake trout pick out our spoon that's three inches long and a big ball of bait like that. So, but my, my theory is that speed is the key to this. Okay. You got me hooked. Now bring me on in. How so? Well, if a lake trout is chasing alewife, the alewife are trying to scatter. You've seen that happen. A a bigger fish comes in and, and the bait scatter. So if you're the last alewife on the outside of a school or you know, you're the slowest alewife, you're going to be the one that's eaten. So I think by fishing the spoon slowly, it flutters like a slow injured alewife just enough so that it's always the alewife that the lake trout catches up with.
0: I think you're completely spot on there. I'm totally onto something because, you know, my, my only comparison right off the top of my head is, is white bass fishing with spoons and, and yeah, they're, they're, they're slashing and thrashing on the. Chad, but when you watch a school of fish of uh, forage fish scatter, they go every which way. And it really is the, the slow one, uh, the quote unquote dumb one, the injured one, whatever that, uh, tend to pick on because it's, a um, lower energy expenditure, but basically it singles itself out because everybody else is running like heck. And you know, that fish says, well, <laughs> you know, there's the easy one. I'm going to hit him.
2: Of course. And I mentioned that the lead core line. That was the good news and the bad news. The good news that it cut down that deep. The bad news is when you have hundreds of yards of this lead core line out and you're trying to reel in a fish, your arm feels like jelly. I mean, man, this was a workout.
0: Oh, okay. So now I understand why your biceps
2: have grown. Okay. <laughs> Especially on the one side.
0: I got it. I got it. I got it. So let
2: me play some audio from the trip. In this part, I've hooked a fish and I'm bringing it in. And Clay is getting ready to net it, as you'll hear. And uh, this was the birth of my new catchphrase, shake and bake, baby.
0: All right, there is a fish on the line. Tim is reeling it in. I Let's can feel it. him. So we don't see the fish yet. There's a lot of line out, and it's heavy lines,
2: so it might be a while. Cool. All right, so right now there's an underwater hill on the screen. He's He's shaking. 20 feet of water, they're going to give you these head shakes trying to pull the hook wicked hard with all their weight. He's shaking, bake! Shake and bake! Shake <laughs> <laughs> He wants off. Yeah, he know. wants off of there. You just know it's a leg. Down. And he's going to use the weight of his body to try to jerk that hook out of his mouth. Uh, don't give him any slack, Tim. Yeah. Don't give him any slack. Don't be a slacker, Tim. I Coming see up, him. slop a a right in here. He's still
0: there. I see him. Bring him in towards the boat.
2: Keep that chip up, Tim. All
0: right. Tip heading up. to the back. Dad's netting. I, I got
2: you. I got There's you, He's going in the water. He's going in the water.
0: We're going to Okay. He's okay. Don't oh, yeah. worry. Dad's
2: exaggerating. Um, <laughs>
0: oh, he's oh, cool. beautiful. Look There's at it. You, sir. Yeah. Beautiful. Right, you got a very pretty fish. I love it. I love it. A Fisher's catchphrase is the purest form of a catchphrase because you're catching something. Oh, but what was Charlie
1: saying there? Sloppa Dapa?
2: Yeah. So Charlie kept yelling Sloppa Dapa. I have no idea what that means, but it sounds like a good catchphrase to me.
1: In Swedish, Dapa means to dip or dunk. It is also a square or round skullcap originating in Central Asia. Perhaps Charlie meant that your hat was about to fall into the water.
0: Uh, I don't know, Lucy. I don't think that's what Charlie meant. It sounds like he has his own unique catchphrase when a fish is caught.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. And Charlie did give us some secrets at the end of the trip. Listen to these. Charlie taught us everything about what type of spoons to use and what color. And uh, he still has not told us all the secrets, but we at least know that the, the white... Small, about a three-inch white spoon that looks like an alewife is just the perfect bait for lake trout. Well, then we better get him one more time. Charlie McGee, tell us a secret about lake trout fishing. A secret about lake trout fishing, right? we got to give away some secrets right now to really entice the audience. The secret to lake trout fishing is, um, the, I don't know, there's no secret. You keep fishing. When the fishing's very slow, you just keep fishing, bud. The lake trout are their own fish. They're either everywhere or they're nowhere. And just dragging the dirty, dirty bottom seems to get it done. So there you have it. Charlie says there aren't a lot of big secrets, except you have to drag the dirty bottom with a three-inch white spoon and keep fishing. That's his key. You'd never give up fishing when nothing is biting. And then you shake and bake, baby.
0: Right on, right on. Never give up. Never surrender.
2: John, the day after our lake trout excursion, I went to a nearby stream to fish for brook trout with spinners. That's something I haven't done since I was a kid. What'd you catch? Well, unfortunately not a thing. There were a ton of anglers on the stream because I didn't know this, but a a local guy told me that they had just stocked 112 brook trout there a few days before. So everybody was in there spinning rods, fly fishing, and I didn't see anybody catch a single fish.
0: One of those deals where you got to bring in your own rock to stand on. I understand there. So, uh, but there's all going for the truck trout, that tank scrubbers to the raise them in a hatchery and put them in a truck and dump them in a river, a pond. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I understand.
0: Yeah. The, 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 tank scrubbers.
2: Yeah. I'm not a huge fan of catching hatchery fish, though. I do have two great lures for catching truck trout. What are they? Well, you know, the saying, match the hatch. Oh Yeah. And what's the hatch for trout being raised at a fish hatchery? Uh, Food pellets, I guess.
1: Hatchery fish are fed high-protein pellets that allow them to grow very quickly. With some pellets, fish grow by 50% of the food weight. So if you feed fish 10 pounds of pellets, they'll gain 5 pounds in weight. So you're matching the food pellet hatch.
2: Exactly. There's a company called Stubby Steve's that sells what looks like food pellets for trout. They're kind of soft, porous plastic pellets, and they're impregnated with the actual food pellet mixture. So they stand your hook for a long time, and the scent in that mixture that's impregnated stays in there for a long, long time. I'll add their website to the show notes. Trout that are fresh from the hatchery go crazy for these because they're what the fish are used to eating. In fact, it may be the only thing that these fish have ever seen to eat.
0: Yeah. That's the thing. Uh, uh, They, you know, they're not real familiar a lot of times with uh, uh, wild prey that uh, first uh, week, month, year, whatever, out of the hatchery, those poor trout, they have a hard time figuring it out.
2: And especially when they're first put in for our listeners who have not seen this before, when they put trout into a river, there are different regulations for how far away you have to be, but the trout stay in the general area. And I've seen people fishing, you know, 20 yards away who immediately start to catch these things. So they go from the hatchery to the truck and they're in the lake for eight minutes. And then they're in the, the uh, creel right after that. So it's kind of a crazy thing. That's one of the reasons I'm not a big fan of it. Sometimes it's just too easy
0: when you put it that way, especially it, it it borders on crazy. Okay. So what's the other lore?
2: Well, it's similar to that. I found that you can make a, a food pellet fly out of a small piece of brown foam. You just cut a small piece of foam about the size of the pellet. You slice along the edge of it so that you can put the hook shank in there. You put a dab of super glue on it and you're done. Okay. So
0: how do you fish it?
2: Well, that's the best part because I am not a good fly fisherman. I can cast okay, but I do not have a soft landing of the flies. A pellet fly suits my fly fishing technique well, because unlike most flies that you want to land softly on the water, you want the pellet to hit the water hard, just like it would if somebody was tossing them in the
1: air and they were landing. Tim is not the most delicate fly fisher.
0: Well, it's kind of fly fishing for me because neither am I. But like the term says, match the hatch. Do what the natural food, I I, I mean, the man-made food, I mean man-made food from natural material well natural material i mean man-made food man natural extractions highly processed into artificial pellets or fish that have to eat them or die oh heck just do what the food is doing and if it's raining from above with a slap on the water then make sure your lure is doing that as close as you can get it to do so okay
2: you gotta slap that fly slap that fly
0: slap that fly slap that fly don't be afraid to slap that fly oh yeah 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 And what are you, so you only fish
2: for trout with a pellet fly? Well, not in Ohio. We don't have a lot of trout, but we have all of these farm ponds around and almost all of those were initially stocked with hatchery fish. Here, it it tends to be grass carp, uh, bluegill, even bass. In my test pond, I brought down pellets and the bass will take the pellets off the surface as well as the other fish.
0: Wow, that's incredible. That's incredible. It sounds like a lot of
1: fun. Tell the crappy hippie about the squid game.
0: You mean the TV series on Netflix?
1: No, silly. The game of catching squid.
2: Oh, okay. Well, that makes more sense. I was visiting Nubble Lighthouse in Maine, which is just a spectacular spot. And the lighthouse is on a huge rock just offshore. They have some webcams, and I'll post one in the show notes because you just have to see this area. But all around it, the shore is rock. And so there's great access to fish for squid and striped bass fish
0: for squid. How do you fish for squid?
2: Well, I had not seen this before, John. I was watching some guys catching a ton of them. Um, Some people catch them to eat while others catch them to use for bait. The thing about squid is you need a very special type of lure because the squid don't catch prey directly in their mouths. First, they grab prey with their tentacles. And I'll post a video of this in the show notes. It's mind boggling to watch this. So instead of having a traditional hook, a squid jig, has a hook with eight barbless tines on it that are in a circle. It almost looks like the top of a coat rack where you have all these tines sticking up. And there are two of them, one above each other. They have no barbs. When the squid grabs the lure, the tine penetrates its tentacles or another part of its body, and it's fish on.
1: That's squid on. Squid are cephalopods, not fish. They have elongated bodies, large eyes, eight arms, and two tentacles. Like all other cephalopods, squid have a distinct head, bilateral symmetry, and a mantle. They are mainly soft-bodied, like octopuses, but have a small internal skeleton. Wow, that's cool. So what do the jigs look like?
2: Yozuri is one of the better-known squid jig makers. Jigs are two to three inches long, and uh, they weigh about a quarter ounce. They're usually fished with multiple jigs on a line, like a sabiki rig. Some of the jigs are sinking, but others are floating and you can fish the jigs by a cast and retrieve method, the way you would with a lot of jigs, or you can fish them under a float and they'll have, you know, two or three of these jigs under a float and they cast it out and they just let the waves kind of bounce it up and down. So it's almost like you're fishing with a stationary bait, but you have jigs underneath them. And the guys that I saw catching squid were fishing in both ways. Okay, are they metal jigs? No, most are made from like a resin material, like a lot of hard baits. Uh, But Yuzuri has this ultra cloth squid jig series, which is made from a strong ABS resin, but they wrap it in a luminous cloth for a more realistic feel. And they say that it has a more delicate feel that drives squid to attack longer for an increased hookup ratio, which kind of makes sense because remember these squid are putting their tentacles around something. They're not taking it directly in their mouth. So it's a whole different type of, of lure presentation because the feel of the lure is much more sensitive to these squid. Right.
0: Okay. I get what you're saying. I mean, these are fantastic looking lures. I mean, this cloth, they, they gives them a great look, but when you feel it, yeah, it's very. Te- uh, scale-like uh, wild texture. So um, th- this is exactly what a lure designer has to do. Uh, a- analyze how the uh, quarry is going to attack uh, the lure. And as Lucy explained, they're not, technically not fish. So we've got to make a little bit of an adjustment uh, to appease their uh, sense of touch and to pull those attack triggers and, and get them hooked up. Uh, well done, Yozuri. really, really a cool bait.
2: And like a lot of fish that come in schools, the squid come in school. So these guys were sometimes hooking up with two or three at a time, which is pretty neat. Yozuri jigs also have these small feathered pectoral fins on them that are, are kind of unique, very cool looking. And you can find all of their baits at Best Pro Shops and at Tackle Direct. They also use a holographic internal prism finish that just looks really cool. Really, uh, really kind of a, a lot of thought put into these for a specific type of fish that you're trying to catch with these squid because they're not like any other thing that you're going to fish for. The final thing I wanted to share about my trip to Maine is the Kittery Trading Post. What an amazing outdoor store. Is it big? It is enormous. It's 90,000 square feet with an entire floor of fishing lures and gear. Lucy, would you provide a little history for
1: us? Glad to help. Philip Bing Adams acquired Kittery Trading Post in 1938. At that time, the store was a modest one-room trading post and gas station. During the early days... Bing's reputation as an honest horse trader brought people from far and wide. He swapped fur pelts for gas, beef for ammunition, and supplies for a car. The gas pumps are gone now, but the values first instilled by Bing Adams remain intact to this day. What started out as one man's means of providing for his family, has turned into a 90,000-square-feet retail outdoor specialty sports operation offering quality customer service, exceptional selection and fair, competitive prices. 80 years later, Kittery Trading Post continues to be owned and operated by the Adams family.
2: I'm going to drop a link to a video from the First State Fishing YouTube channel in the show notes. The guy visited the Kittery Trading Post at about the same time that I did. He calls it a fisherman's dream and the world's biggest fishing store, and I cannot disagree with him. Here's what makes it so special. The state of Maine has a really wide range of fishing opportunities. Lucy, tell us what types of fish you can catch in Maine.
1: There certainly is a wide range because of its geography and climate. For freshwater fishing, Maine has thousands of miles of rivers and streams and hundreds of freshwater lakes. Cold water fish include brook trout, brown trout, lake trout, landlocked salmon, splake, rainbow trout, Arctic char, cusk, rainbow smelt, lake whitefish, and round whitefish. Warm water fish include largies, smallies, northern pike, chain pickerel, black crappie, musky, white perch, yellow perch, brown bullhead, pumpkin seed sunfish, and redbreast sunfish. For saltwater fishing, you can catch stripers, bluefish, mackerel and squid, and even bluefin tuna. You can also catch pollock, shad, cod, halibut, black seed bass, blue shark, haddock, skate, shortfin mako shark, and silver hake, among others. So what kind of lures did you find inside the trading post? Remember, you left me in the car.
2: Well, sorry about that. The trading post has lures for almost every type of fish that Lucy mentioned. You can find everything from tiny ice fishing jigs to huge tuna and musky lures. You can find soft baits and hard baits in every conceivable type and size. Plus, they have a huge fly fishing section, so you can get tons of different fly patterns for both fresh and salt water.
0: Okay, Tim. Nice buildup. But what we all want to know is two things. What did you buy? And did you have to take out a second mortgage on your house after you were done?
2: Well, it was a little bit overwhelming and I was kind of restrained. I walked <laughs> around the store a couple of times. I just never seen so many. It made made me feel like Bass Pro Shops was a, a, a tiny tackle shop in comparison, they had an amazing selection, one of the best I've seen of Z-Man Elastec baits. And the neat thing was they had them if you're fishing for, you know, smallmouth, largemouth, but they also had the saltwater baits. So I had never seen these in a store. I've seen them on the Z-Man site, but they had some six-inch Z-Man swimmer-z swim baits. These are pretty big, but not too big. And I think they are going to smoke largemouth and smallmouth. The other thing that I bought, what I don't know this brand, but it's called Molex, and they're Molex nano jigs. It's a power finesse jig. And I bought the one-eighth ounce size, but they come in sizes from one-eighth to five sixteenth ounce. And what's cool about these jigs, they have a very compact head and they have a nylon weed guard on them. And so that's nice. So you can get this into tight places with weeds and things, but they also have an ultra fine silicone skirt that I think is going to move really well in the water. So I can't wait to test these out and report back.
0: Wow. That sounds really cool. I mean, uh, especially in this cold weather, the more uh, supple and the more uh, movement you can get out of a plastic, uh, whether it's silicone or anything else in the water is it's very, very important. So that sounds pretty awesome. I can't wait to see.
2: So it was a great trip to Maine. I highly recommend contacting guide Charlie McGee if you want to get into some lake trout. And if you're in New Hampshire, get in touch with guide Clay Groves. I'll put both of their links to their websites in the show notes. They are a blast to fish with. And if you're near Kittery, Maine, you have to stop by the Kittery Trading Post. You can also visit them online. They have a lot of uh, web sales and things like that. And I'll drop a link in the show notes.
1: Warning, warning, Lure News Alert.
0: Lure news Alert. This just in, Catchco, maker of the popular Mystery Tackle Box monthly subscription box, announced the introduction of its first ever Fishmas Advent Calendar, available exclusively at Walmart this holiday season. It features 12 days of hand-selected fishing products, perfect for all experience levels. Catchco's Mystery Tackle Box Fishmas Advent Calendar is an ideal gift for anglers who enjoy the excitement of trying new products. The calendar, which is available now for purchase, is sold exclusively at Walmart stores nationwide and on walmart.com. It retails for $24.99.
1: Traditional Advent calendars are 24 days long. You open one panel or box each day. How will that work with only 12 days in the Fishmas Advent calendar?
2: Lucy, I plan to buy two of the Fishmas Advent calendars. That way, I can hit all 24 days in Advent. You can never have too much of a good thing.
0: Tim, each month we give away a glasswater angling crappie douler and, oh, I don't know, some jigs or whatever else I have laying around here on the bench uh, to one of our email subscribers, and we
2: did it last month.
1: There aren't many email subscribers yet, so your odds are excellent.
2: And we'll send you podcast updates and other fishing lure news when each podcast episode comes out. That's two emails a month and 12 chances to win each year. To subscribe, just go to our website at www lurelovepodcast.com and enter your email address.
1: You can also enter to win by calling and telling us what your favorite lure is.
0: And our call-in winner uh this month is Evan from Michigan. He sent us a really cool message about his favorite lure and just like the kids last month, he's going to get some glass water stuff. I'm kind of looking around here. I know he's going to get a crappie douler and oh, I don't know, since he's a big bass guy, I might uh have to put some other things together for that young man, but and Evan clearly is a master angler in waiting here it
1: is hello my name is Evan in Brooklyn Michigan and um every summer go to a cottage in Lake Misaki and I really find that a um Texas slip rig actually looks really good for me and um that's really it and that's all that I'm really gonna say I'm Evan and I'm only eight
2: the old Texas slip rig send that boy some jigs
0: Oh, you know it, Tim. And I'm going to send him some slick weights, too, so we can Texas rig with lead-free hematite. Now, if you want a chance to win some lures, just come on to our website. There's a microphone icon right there at the bottom right of the screen. Click on it. Tell us what your favorite lure is. For example, this is Charlie McGee from Tobago Lake, Maine. My favorite lure is the Northeast Troller Spoon because it catches the heck out of lake trout and makes me feel all slop-a-dop-a. How How hard is that? Come on. Call us. Call us. Call us.
2: That's it for another episode of the Lure Love Podcast.
1: Wait, Tim, a package just arrived for you. What is it? It's from Elliot Main, from the Al's Goldfish Lure Company.
2: Al's Goldfish? I've been expecting that package. They sent us a whole bunch of really cool lures that the crappy hippie and I are going to test out in our test ponds, and we're going to do an interview with them. They're just an amazing company.
1: All of their lures are made in the United States and are solid marine brass, plated by a jewelry plater, and hand-painted. All of the gold lures are plated in 22-karat gold, which makes them super shiny. And they got their start near where you grew up in western Massachusetts.
2: I know. They started at Stewart's Sports Shop in Indian Orchard, Massachusetts in 1952. I went there once when I was a kid. And they just inked a deal to sell their lures at Walmart, too. I can't wait to talk to them.
1: Calm down, Tim. You'll need to wait a little while, and so will our listeners. But it will be worth the wait.
2: Okay, This is really it for another episode of the Lure Love podcast. Thanks for listening and for living the Lure Love motto. Why buy one lure when you can buy 103?
0: Lure Love, you've been on my mind. Never enough lures to tie to the end of my line. Lure Love, can't I make you see?
1: Buy five lures and you can buy a hundred and three.